Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This is your first time. A podcast is a personally oriented discussion centered all around select topics. And today's topic is all about polling and market research. Our guest today is Michelle Hermes, who is the founder and CEO of Think Out Loud Co. And she is here to tell us all about her app, Hubbub. The Hubbub solution will disrupt the market research industry whose methods are stuck in the earliest 20th century. Who am I? I'm Will Tarashuk, the founder of Willie T Productions and a professional podcast host. Today, we're going to talk all about the current polling methods, how they're conducted, and how you can finally get asked how to participate. So, without further ado, let's get into it. And just like that, Michelle, we are on the podcast. My friend, how are you? It is very good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. I am so awesome today. It's a Monday night right before a holiday, you know, so it's great. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks, Will. It is hot. It is hot in this room. Summer is fully upon us. Just for full transparency, we're recording this the Monday night before uh, 4th of July weekend. So what a better time to talk about polling and not talk about politics. So, Michelle, please, (laughs) I might have flubbed a little bit. You're the founder and CEO of thinkoutloud.co. So please just introduce yourself very briefly and tell us all about Hubbub and what it is you do. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Um, yeah, I uh, my company's name is Think Out Loud Co. Our brand is Hubbub. So every time you hear me talk, I'll be referring to something as Hubbub because that's what we've built is the Hubbub. What's it all about? What's all the commotion? What's all the noise um, is uh, is Hubbub. So uh, yeah, we built a, a market research platform in a complete 180 degree flip of the way that market research is conducted today. So uh, we're really disrupting things. We're doing things a lot differently, which I hope we get to talk about here a lot today. So yeah, I'm really excited. All right, so market research. You know, I'm a founder. I heard the term market research all the time. So just kind of for the, for a layman out there, what exactly is market research? Now it sounds like, you know, this doing research on your target market, but is it that simple? A little more nuances to it. So how would you describe market research? Yeah. So market research, I mean, you can get to the simplicity of it and say, you know, you've got a researcher that's talking to a group of people and asking them questions and getting responses. Uh, The complexity comes in with market research is once the respondents give those responses to your questions, uh, say you're doing a survey for your your restaurant, you want to launch a new new menu item, and you want to find out, you know, what people really think about shrimp fajitas. You know, should I go and invest the money in this, in this perishable item? before I go put it on the menu, change all my menus, get everything done. You know, so uh, you wanna conduct a little bit of market research and ask some folks, what do you think about shrimp fajitas versus beef fajitas? Or, you know, would you buy them if I put them on the menu? Asking your current customers and things like that. So, you know, um, a market researcher has their their questions that they're gonna ask. They're usually on behalf of a brand of another company. So like in this case, it would be a restaurant uh, that, that's thinking about putting this onto their menu. And they would ask uh, a group of people, um, you know, and it depends on the scale of the research that you want to do. But typically when you're looking at like uh, opinion polls, uh, 
and things that are more in-depth or maybe larger companies, you, you want at least 500 to 1,000 respondents to answer your questions. So, um, you know, it gets complex once the researcher gets the answers to all those questions because they, they take it immediately into these very complex scientific mathematical formulas because that sample size of 500 to 1,000 they have to make that representative of the population, which in America alone is like 350 million people. So, you know, how do you know what everybody thinks about shrimp fajitas? Well, you know, you can't go ask everybody. Uh, you can ask, a, you know, a small sample. And so they, they apply these really mathematical formulas and then they come up with their research results and it tells you know, a brand, yeah, you know, in that area, you know, not that that area, that zip code or that city, you know, shrimp potatoes are not really a big deal. Uh, maybe they are in a different locale, uh, things like that. So, uh, but, you know, then again, you know, you've got uh, polling, which are very few questions, uh, you know, that typically revolve around political issues and things that are topics of interest to people at a moment in time. So that's the basics of it. Researcher, ask questions, get results, manipulate them to be sample of the population representative and then publish those results. Yeah, it's something, honestly, that's that's really, really hard to do. Like, even for, even for myself, as a podcaster, trying to get market research on customers or an audience, you know, I was speaking to a podcast not too long ago, and he was like, I got an audience about five, ten thousand 10,000 downloads per episode. How can I monetize? And my first answer was, ask them, right? Ask, ask your audience, ask your listeners. It kind of seems like the most duh answer of just ask the people consuming your product, but it's something that people generally struggle with. It's something that's hard to actually tackle. But at the same time, it's also a $74 billion industry, yes. which, which makes sense because everyone needs market research. Everyone needs help understanding their customer. But a billion, that's a B. That's a big number. How, how did it become a $74 billion industry, this industry that you are now a part of? Well, you know, it didn't, of course, always be so big. It started out small, just like any other industry, any other company. It was actually uh, about 200 years ago that they started doing market research formally and opinion polling. And, uh, and my hubbub uh, solution focuses on opinion polling, which is like a one question uh, research question. And then you gather demographics associated with it with that one question. So, you know, it's actually kind of multi-question if you think about it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was with the 1824 presidential election that they did of the first formal opinion poll. And they sent out um, almost like real ballots to people and asked them to fill them out and send them back. And then they counted everything up. And then they published their results in the in the literary review, which is is the uh, the the uh, publication that was doing it at the time, and uh, they were pretty darn accurate, actually, in that method where they they brought them back and they just counted up votes. Um, about a hundred years later, a fellow named Gallup came along and uh, totally changed the world of market research. You know, he said, you know, it's not feasible 
to go out and, and interview and ask questions of the entire population. We need to sample a smaller size of people, and then we will apply, like I was talking about before, those mathematics and try and make it representative of the population. And that's the way it's been going for the last 100 years. So here we fast forward to 2023, still doing things the same way, you know, as, as we have been for a long time. Uh, so it's kind of pretty history, but, you know, it really needs to be advanced for the 21st century and modernized. And, and that's what Hubbub's trying to do. Well, yes. Yeah, so, like, I've, I downloaded the app. And it is curious. Pretty much, it's you, you scroll and you answer questions. Like a lot, and the questions vary from multiple different things, from politics to finance to um, movies, entertainment, sports. You know, you name it, you can find. You can kind of have your preferences. But to me, it looks like the app works. Is I can set up my own poll, and I can use the results. And can I can I sell that data? It's like how like how can I as a user monetize? on the app. Did I, did I get that correct? It's pretty much, I can, I can set up the data and I can use it for my business or I can have sell it to whoever else wants it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the whole model behind Hubbub and doing market research is going back to the 1800s and sampling everybody. I mean, you can't get everybody, of course, but, um, you know, instead of targeting 500 to 1,000 people, Hubbub is going to utilize the power of social media to make that sample size much, 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 much exponentially greater and more representative of the population. So you have more accuracy and you're reaching more people of more diverse backgrounds instead of just, you know, calling up or walking up to um, or, you know, um, sending out uh, something in the mail to people and say, answer these questions for me, please. Or even text messaging. You might have gotten text message surveys. So um, Hubbub is going to, you know, put it out there to anybody that wants to answer. And what you can do with it is we collect demographic information on all of our users and any customer, any news outlet, any publisher, any, you know, uh, social media influencer or any other kind of influencer can um, purchase that information. So let's say you have a question of uh, one I, I just posted on there the other day about um, someone posted about finance, you know, what's your biggest you know, financial fear, you know, is it retirement, having enough money for retirement, or is it just having enough money to get by week by week? So um, you can take all of that, all of those votes, yes, no, undecided, I don't care, whatever the multiple choice might be, and the demographics that goes along with each of those votes, which I have to put out there is, is, is segregated from your identity, it is only the vote and the uh, the demographics associated with you on that vote. Um, but uh, anybody that's interested in that financial question, which could be you know one to many, can purchase those voting results and all the demographic information associated with it, and then slice and dice it however they need to and publish it out and say maybe you know fifty four percent of women 
and 78727 are worried about, you know, most worried about retirement funding. So the way that Hubbub users, though, get a piece of that is that what the customer pays to get that detailed information, the Hubbub user that actually posted that that Hubbub, we call them Hubbubs, the poll content, it's 2% of that fee that Hubbub charges the downloader, the customer uh, that wants that information. So, you know, if, if four people, five people, six people, you know, uh, download that information, you get six times whatever their individual cost was, each one of them. So it incentivizes folks to come back and post more polls and right. hustle and get, because you want to get lots of votes because the more votes that you, that you get, the more people you get providing feedback on your polls, you know, the, the better, more attractive they're going to be to the customers. Of it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting way to mine data. Literally, it's a very interesting way to gather data. Like, how is Google so successful? They have all of our data. They sell their data brokers. So it's like, everybody sells right, your every, data. Everyone sells your data, and everyone also consents to selling your data. I, I, I tell my friends all the time, man, if I could sell my data, I would sell my own data to make a quick buck off whatever the hell it is I'm searching. <laughs> so, like, let me, let me give an example here. So, say I did a poll on the greatest Spider-Man movie, like from everything from the first Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, to the latest Spider-Verse movie. And 100,000 people answered that poll. And like I could say 40% of all Americans, myself included, think Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man movie ever. That's just the general over all of Americans. But if I want to break it down even further, I can go, okay, like out of those 40% of Spider-Man 2, like 22% of African-American think or 30% of women think. Or I can go 30% of women voted this way and then second place was The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, because we all know Andrew Garfield's a hunk. So you can kind of break it down like that. So it takes, it takes the All-Americans and this breaks it down by, by demographics, like age, 18 to, 18 to 34, the key demo. Yeah. Really loves Into the Spider-Verse. So all of that data can be broken down just through one poll. So it's like, it takes it takes the monotony of asking these demographics individually and is separating it out after the fact through an algorithm. Exactly. You know, oh, I mean brilliant. like Twitter, Twitter sells your data. Yeah. And I mean they collect it just like anybody else and Facebook or or whomever. And and it doesn't even have to be social media. If you're on the grid, you're out there. Um, and but what Hubbub does is, you know, we do it a little bit more transparently. Right. We ask you to please provide your demographic information. And we pay you in exchange for providing us 13 simple data points that you're already, you know, selling to other people, you know, your level of income, your, your education level, are you married? Uh, we have 13 data points that, that we collect. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we, we collect that information we tie it to a vote for a poll, like your Spider-Man poll, for instance, that would be interesting to somebody, you know, in the entertainment industry, perhaps um, somebody that's a social media influencer, perhaps for entertainment stuff. 
They would come to the Hubbub website, separate from the mobile app. Our website is where you can download all of the demographic information associated with those votes, you know, be it Spider-Man 1, 2, whatever. You get all that information and then you slice and dice it and you can publish it, you know, um, however you need to. If you want to say... You know, yeah, the results came out, you know, 72% of people are saying Spider-Man 2, that's it. And of those 72% of people, you know, um, 80% of them were, were African-American or were make over $100,000, that kind of thing. So it really simplifies the process of doing market research. Instead of having to hire a company, get a researcher, have them go out and find people to ask questions to, you know, we're putting it right in front of you through social media. And you want to, as a hubbubber, you want to post topics that are of interest that people will want to download the results to because you do get paid cash money to, uh, to participate. Well, that's very interesting. Now, if I'm like if I'm an, if I'm an advertiser, I'm trying to advertise whatever to whoever, and I want to go by the results of these poll. Do I go to you as the app, or do I go to the pollster who did the poll, or is it a combo of both? No, you just go to Hubbub. You okay. go to ilovehubbub.com, and um, the users, the the folks that want to get the cash incentives, or I mean even somebody that wants to buy information, anybody can post a hubbub poll, anybody. It is open, it is free, the app is free to download, it's free to use, there are no ads, nothing like that. Um, And uh, you, you just post your topic and somebody that sees it, that's interested in the results, goes to ilovehubbub.com, signs in, puts it in their cart, pays for it, and they get an Excel file with uh, with all of the, the voting results. So, you know, it also puts the power of the market research, you know, analysis in the hands of, of that person making the purchase. So, you know, the customer doesn't necessarily have to hire a market research firm, especially for something that's very simple that they want to know. You know, again, back to my example of shrimp, Fajitas, you know, that's a pretty simple question. Do you like shrimp fajitas? Would you buy them from me? How much would you pay? Yeah. Right. And all that's also demographics. Like, I mean, the glue, and that's all demographics. Like how, how much I would pay here in New York is way more than what you would pay, mm-hmm. like, in Texas, even though I would rather pay the Texas price <laughs> for, <laughs> for shrimp fajita in particular. But, Absolutely. like, so I, I think – I do think that's very interesting how it all works. It's it's an it's like an e-commerce data mining platform that anyone and everyone can profit off of, and it sounds like everybody wins. Um, yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah, everybody wins. I mean, there will still be. I mean, it might sound like to you know, if there's some market researchers watching this, I'm not trying to put you out of business. Not right. trying to do that. Um, I mean, there are going to be companies and customers and brands that have very large, you know, market research needs and they need to pay a hundred thousand dollars 
before they do a new product launch. It may be something very complex, you know, but, you know, if it's a simple question or two that you can post out on Hubbub and get the answers for a really, really cheap price, why not try it? Right. Well, I, I say the same thing with podcasting. You know, like I consider myself a podcast agency, right? You are using my right. service right now as I'm a podcast host, but I don't consider the other podcasters or other agencies competition. They're potential partners. So if I'm overloaded and I got someone I know who needs a podcast, I can go to my friend Ryan, who's from Podcast Principles, who is phenomenal at what he does and vice versa. If I offer something he doesn't offer. So it's like I think the whole idea behind we need to be competition. I think this is a flaw in capitalism in general where it's like we need to have competition. It's like, well, yes, we do. We also need to have that competition work together. You know, you see that a lot with comedians. Comedians are no longer beating each other down for that one comedy spot. There's enough of the pie to go down for everybody. So let's, yeah. let's kind of shift towards the current day polling structure. Because you, you point out three problems with polling, meaning the methodology is intended for small groups of small individuals, which is good to an extent, but it's flawed. Also, it's unrealistic promotes inaccuracies because we all know polling is super inaccurate, particularly with politics. Um, and then polling, as you said, is very expensive. So let's get into the first one, the methodology. It was, it's currently, as it stands, intended for a small group of individuals, like you said, 500 to 1,000 people. So I'm assuming it's because of how expensive it is. But when current pollsters, going to the mind of a current pollster, why do they target that many people, 500 to 1,000, like you said, in a country, which is not only three to 30 million people, incredibly diverse and diverse more and more by the day. Incredibly diverse. Yeah. I mean, how many people can you really go to? You know, I mean, logistically, how many people can you really reach? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? How do you get them to even answer you in the first place? And how much are you willing to pay per person to get a response from them? Not pay the person, but pay the market research company that's going out and asking these questions for you. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, 500 to a thousand. That's kind of the standard, mm -hmm. you know, you would love, love to get that many responses, especially in a political poll, you know, to, uh, to apply all those complex mathematics to it again, to make it representative of the greater population, the greater diverse population, which you don't really know if you're getting when you go out with these traditional market research, um, um, you know, methods. Right. So how are, how are these polls currently conducted? So let's give an example again. Let's say uh, they want to do a poll on the current Democratic uh, primary nominees. Now, they have 1,000 people they need to reach. Do they specifically target towards, like, California and New York, who is mostly blue in the cities, or they have to kind of target people in Massachusetts, people in West Virginia, Democrats still exist in Florida, or swing states like, like Ohio, where it used to be? So, like, when they're currently targeting these people, are there, like, are there any rules or regulations that say that has to be spread out, especially, like, with a Democratic primary, or is it kind of just... Pick a thousand people that can all be from LA. Yeah, there's there's no rules or regulations really. Mm. It's um, it's just a uh, it's a matter of who is conducting the polling research, which introduces a bias right off the bat. Um, who's conducting the research? Because the person that's responding may say, "I don't like you." So I'm going to respond in a certain way, you know. Um, so um, 
these methods and biases are very much tied together. So, you know, 500,000, it's kind of like a standard, you know, you're doing really, really good if you get that much. You know, with Hubbub, we're going to social media um, uh, implement it. So, you know, a, a thousand votes, we want to turn into a hundred thousand votes, 500,000 votes. So that you can see really, you know, well, if I see 500,000 people are responding rather than just a thousand, you know, all this mathematics may not really be necessary. Those are the methods that they're using. And um, part of, of doing these polls and stuff is asking for demographic information. So if you can keep somebody's attention for long enough, and say, okay, thank you for answering my question about the Democratic primary, you know, who you're going to vote for, um, you know, RFK, Biden, what, whoever's running, um, you know, can you also tell me your age range? Can you also tell me how much money you make? Can you also tell me this? Can you also tell me that? That's the only mechanism that they have to break down and say, you know, well, behind the scenes, we did actually poll you know, mostly Republican people, perhaps, in their poll that they wanted to get Democratic people to. It just so, so they don't really know the Democrats. So they don't know the Democrats are the people before they ask them. And how? First off, how do they ask them? Is it phone calling? Is it knocking on doors? How like how do they find these five hundred to a thousand people to begin with? Most of the way that that it's done today is by panels. So there's okay. people that have agreed to participate in a panel and they get, you know, very small, trivial incentives, not cash or, you know, they get right. trinkets. And, and how do they reach out to those people? So how does one get on the panel? Like take, take me step, step by step. Step one is I get on the panel. Step two is I conduct a poll. Step three is demographics. So yeah, you're, the way you get on the panel is you go and you sign up. You find these websites Interesting. that do polling, uh, like, uh, you know, Survey USA, mm -hmm. something you can get. You can get on a panel and they will send you emails or text messages, or you may get something, um, you know, if you got on an email list from uh, something that you signed up for, you know, or a purchase that you made, you ended up on an email list, you may get a survey, you know, a poll asking you a few questions. So you get on a panel and then they go and they say, their customer says to the market researcher, you know, this is what I'm looking into. I want to know about what African-Americans feel about the Democratic primary. And I need you to come up with some questions around that that's going to tell me how people feel. That's, that's what they're really trying to get at with any question. What do you feel about shrimp fajitas? What do you feel about the Democratic candidates, you know? And so researchers have to position these questions in a very, you know, very serious way and the, the way they construct them. So, you know, once you get on the panel, you'll get outreach, you'll get asked the questions and you'll never hear from them again until they need you for another question. You don't know the results, you don't know the outcome, you don't get any follow-up or anything like that. And are these panels in person? No, not necessarily. They okay. can be. They can be. Um, there's several methods of performing market research. Uh, you can go door to door. A lot of politicians will go door to door mm -hmm. and they're, they're folks. Um, 
phone calls, you know, uh, maybe uh, at one point or another in your life, well, you might've gotten a phone call for a survey. Very, very, very expensive to do that method. They're doing a lot of text message surveys right now, but that's again, only if you signed up for something that maybe you knew or you didn't know that you signed up right. for. Uh, email surveys uh, and, you know, a lot of uh, news outlets and stuff, they just walk up to people on the street and ask them questions. And those aren't really meant to be scientific, you know, surveys or anything like that. But that's some of the methods that are used to uh, to reach people. Scientific. You know, I never even thought of that word. Is there, because obviously any, any idiot can go on the street and ask people questions. But is, is there a scientific method behind the current system? Of polling, oh, yeah. like I know, I know there's there's ways. Like we're gonna get into how they ask questions to get a specific answer in a little bit. But in terms of just getting people to answer questions, there's an actual method, scientific method behind getting those people. Yes. Interesting. Yes, not necessarily getting those people, right. you know, or you, any you, people. Because I've always thought of polling as like the but, Nielsen family, right? They use the Nielsen boxes to track exactly. the ratings. But it's like exactly. I I have never met a Nielsen person, and I have never met mm -hmm. someone who's participated in an actual poll. So I was like, and it where do these great? people come from? <laughs> where do these people it's actually great come from? somebody asked you your opinion about something? Yeah, like, I want to know where, I mean, where can I sign up? Because I would love to partake in some of these <laughs> exactly. polls. Just, just out of sheer curiosity. Yeah. Yeah, you have to put yourself out there and, and research and, you know, and, and get on these panels and stuff and become part of focus groups. You know, you, you kind of got to know people or, you know, sign up for a lot of things if you want to, uh, to be a part of polling and, it's, and it sounds time-consuming though. Like I, I'm a, I have a job, right? Yes. I'm, a, I'm, the, I'm a working man over here, so it's like this. These, I feel like these people who answer polls are boomers, to be honest. They're just kind of the older generation who have free mm -hmm. time, or it's just like college kids who can't get a job and trying to make money on the side doing something. So it's just yeah. like again, how is it also representative if it's so complicated to get these people? Like I'm. It's, it still seems a little confusing as to how to actually partake in a poll. You just gotta, it's like, I got to do the work to partake yeah. in a poll that's going to determine the future of the country, potentially, or the future of media, or the future of sports, or the future of insert Absolutely thing here. Absolutely, you do. It's weird, Absolutely, man. you do. It's, weird. It's, it's weird. It's it's not really, you know, the way that I envision it. That's why I want to, you know, or I have made it social media enabled with the Hubbub app. So, yeah. You know, anybody can go and download the app. It's free and and you don't have to know, you know, anything from anything. You know, you can just sit there and scroll and vote on, you know, any topic that's posted. You can post your own polls, yeah. you know, that, you know, interesting questions that you want to know what people think about. And you're more than, I'm more than happy for you to go download your own poll results, yeah. you know, and you still get, you know, your, your incentives for that. But, but yeah, this, this gives you the opportunity to be a part of the conversation, you know, and you don't have to go in search of being parts of panels or things like that. Or, you know, the guy that's, uh, that's the customer asking the market researcher, yeah, my, my buddy in the cubicle next to me to your, to your research panel, stuff like that, you know, so so yeah, this this opens it up to the masses. It opens it up to 340 million people if yeah. they would like to come and download the app, which I would absolutely love. But um, but yeah, if you want to participate, it's there. It's right in front of you. All right. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is biases. 
Polling yes. data is full of bias. The results published are unreliable on this bias alone. Uh, again, politics, super biased because, again, now everything's political. Even Spider-Man, a Spider-Man poll like we talked about earlier, that can be biased. Let me ask you straight up. Is it possible to conduct a poll without any bias? No. No, it's impossible, right? It's impossible. So how, <laughs> how, can, you con- how can you combat that bias in the best way possible? Well, you know, there's there's a few documented, you know, kind of industry accepted biases that that will come out of market research. You know, social desirability is one of them. You know, if you have a pollster come up and ask you a question, you may want to, you know, not say, well, yeah, I voted for Trump. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> you know, or I voted for Biden. Is that what you want to hear? That kind of, of response from an individual. You know, so there's there's a lot of different biases in them. And um, most of them come from being face-to-face. They come from, you know, your text message is tied to your identity, to your phone number which is tied to your address and your name and all those kinds of things. So, you know, what we do with Hubbub by enabling it through social media, we give you that opportunity to put on your social media persona and kind of, you know, uh, live behind that. You know, uh, like like if, if you go on Twitter, you know, there's there's people out there. I mean, you don't use your real name. Some people Some people don't. You know, some people are journalists or, you know, they're they're part of a company, you know, or something and they they use their their real names or their influencers or big celebrities or something. But, you know, if you want to go on Hubbub and you don't want to necessarily be identified by the masses as Michelle Hermes just but vo- just not voted. Michelle Hermes just commented on the Hubbub app that you know, um, Spider-Man 2 sucks. And I don't know what Will is talking about. And all these How dare things. you, first of all. How dare I, right? <laughs> and then you would respond to me, right? How dare you, Michelle? No, I can hide behind my, my social media persona and you could say to me whatever you want. And the way that it works is, you know, if somebody is not facing you, and if somebody is not challenging you, you know, you, your identity, Will, Michelle, you know, whomever, then you're more likely to open up. You're more likely to answer honestly. You're more likely to give, you know, commentary that is, you know, coming from the way that you really, again, feel about the topic. Yeah, but you're also more likely to troll. Right. If there, again, if there's no no consequences, I could pretend to be anybody. I could say yes. my name is Ricky and I am a trans woman and I'm just going to troll for the sake of trolling. So it's like, and is anonymity really the answer? Because like the problem with polls in general is you can't trust the source. So how am I going to trust the source if I'm relying on anonymous answers? Yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard, which is why I said you cannot take a poll without bias. And and you have to you have to build that in to just your way of thinking. You know, what Hubbub is trying to do is get not eliminate bias. There's no way to eliminate bias. We're trying to reduce bias. 
We're trying to give more accurate responses by reducing bias. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's something that's always going to be there. There's always going to be trollers. There's always going to be liars. There's going to be, you know, people that, that just want to say one thing and they, you know, but they really think another, you know, you can't control what, what people are going to say or do. And that's, you know, part of the beauty of our country, you know, <laughs> but, um, hey, amen to that. But, but couldn't, yeah. couldn't you also make the argument that smaller sample sizes is a way to eliminate bias? Even though, because it's just like, well, is the more people there are, the more likely there is to troll. So it's either smaller sample size to and like do it individually. It's like you can pull like demographics individually to solve this problem, as opposed to you doing it all together and then sourcing it out afterwards. It's that's more work up front. So it's like how you, as an owner of this app, how did you tackle? I'm just trying to go through it in my mind right now, and I'm losing my mind. <laughs> how, I know. How did you tackle all that? <laughs> it's an incredibly complex. Yeah. Industry, it's a incredibly complex problem to solve. Can't solve all the problems. Doing doing my best to solve as many of the problems as I can. Biases is definitely the hardest problem that I face. Yeah. And it's, as we all, so do we all though. So do we all. I mean, I mean, you you walk up to anybody and ask them a question, you know, or say I love your hair or or whatever, you know, they they're gonna respond one way or another. It may be nice, it may not be nice, yeah. you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, you can't eliminate bias, and as hard as you try, I mean, you you could speak to somebody just you know through a text message, and and they're still gonna be yeah kind of question there in your mind, are they really, you know, are they really feeling me? Are they really understanding what I'm saying? That's another kind of, of bias on the the part of the market researcher themselves, the the pollster. You know, are they asking the right questions? And I think the pollster also needs to be upfront about their own biases. Because if if you're yeah. asking a question on Medicare for all or universal basic income or uh, oil and gas pump companies pumping more oil or fracking, you know, insert business idea here. If you're conducting that poll, I think it's important for you to be upfront about your biases. Like me personally, I'm, I think a UBI is a phenomenal idea. If I'm going to do a poll, I'm going to be like, hey, here's how I vote. So, so you know, like, by the way, this, this is what I think. Like, now, I am open to not having a desired result. And it's a scientific method that has that thing too. I forget what it's, I forget what it's called, but um, there's a, a, the variable that it, a, accounts for your own bias and counteracting mm-hmm. that bias. So is, is there a way for a pollster, like if it's a major pollster comes to you, that there's an option for them to state their bias? Well, you know, they really shouldn't be biased. That's but we had, but we established that's impossible. Because everyone, everyone they are, well, the respondent, when I say it's impossible, I mean on the respondent's behalf. You know, it's impossible for them to for a market researcher to, you know, ask a question to a thousand people and expect to get no biased responses. But the researcher but can also, also be biased. But there's also the market researcher themselves can be very biased. They can be culturally biased. That's that's one of the one of the big ones that comes out. You know, um, you know they they may believe one thing and and be asking questions about you know this issue, this topic, you know, and they believe one way, but they've structured their questions in order to get answers 
that believe the way that they do. Yes. That's, that's another bias, you know, on part of the, uh, on part of the pollster, the market researcher. So, you know, when, when we've got folks going out on Hubbub, you know, and they're posting their own polls, you know, we're uh, putting together some, some help mechanisms, you know, how do you write a good question? You know, what, what are ways to write good questions that take bias at least out of the question? Is it, is it better to be, have open-ended questions or very, very specific questions? The questions are very specific. They are multiple mm-hmm. choice answers. Mm-hmm. So, but you can have several option choices. You don't have to have yes, no, undecided, I don't care. We always have undecided and I don't care as like defaults that we put there for you. Because there's always going to be people that like, I just don't know. And there's always going to be people that are like, I just don't care. And I'll so, say, like, I, I noticed that. And there's some questions where I, I just didn't answer. I didn't put, I don't care or I don't know. I just kept scrolling. But if it's a yeah. certain issue, it's like I, a lot of people are talking about. And it's just like, I just, I don't care. I think that's honestly, yeah. I think that's a great issue. Or if it's a complex <laughs> issue, um, like geopolitical international conflict, I can just be like, ah, oh, man, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know enough. Yeah. And that's a valid answer. So I, I do like yeah. to put those answers in there because- you think like logically is it's like, well, I can just scroll past. Like, well, no, sometimes I don't care is a valid answer because it's like the issue you're presenting isn't and shouldn't be an issue, in my opinion. So boom, I don't care. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, if they're, you know, they're kind of getting new to hubbub and they, you know, they're trying to figure out how to formulate questions, probably didn't think about that. Because I didn't think about that when I was first um, educating myself on market research and I first started designing the hubbub app, you know, it was like I had yes, no. Or I had, um, you know, who's going to win the uh, the NBA finals, you know, or, or, or championship this year. You know, I had like two teams. Well, I needed to list several teams. Yeah, I needed to list all the teams there yeah. in my finals. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that, you know. So, um, you know, you'll get used to it. You'll get acquainted with how to ask good questions. Use the hubbub help on how to frame good questions they don't have to be yes, no questions. They can be, you know, other types of multiple choice. And it doesn't have to be just the the four answers. You can add answers to there. Like I did a I did a poll uh the other day, you know, where the the question was um which one was that? It was related to a movie, you know, and and it's like, do you like it? Oh no, it was Star Trek versus Star Wars. Who do you like better, Star Trek versus Star Wars? Well, you might not just want to say Star Trek or Star Wars because some people might like it equally. Yeah, some people love both. So I had that as an as yeah. an answer option, and you know, there might be people that don't like either one of them at all. I hate them both, you know. And then there's the undecideds, and I don't care. So, and the answer Star Wars, by the way. The answer is Star Trek. By the oh way. come on, come on now. <laughs> to be honest, I've, I to be honest, I'll I'll say my bias. I've never seen Star Trek ever in my entire life. <sighs> never watched any of it. It's too much, man. It's too much to jump into. Okay, so okay, you, it is. quick, it quick, is. quick, we'll, quick, we'll quick, 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 quick side, quick sidebar. We'll, if if we'll you're gonna tell me to start watching a Star Trek, where should I start? You should start with the original series. And okay, great, great. And answer. I am biased to the original series. Amazing. I just gave you a very biased answer because I love Captain Kirk. 
you just, you can't get by, you can't get around it, but you can try and reduce it as much as you can. Right. Yeah. So do you, do you have any, like, um, if I, I'm a pollster, right? I've never done this before, but if I want to come on and do some market research on podcasting, are there any guidelines for me as someone who's never done this before? Here is the best way to get started. Like, here's how you formulate questions, the do's and the don'ts, how to combat bias. Like, any any training courses that you provide to someone who's looking to be a pollster and actually use the platform? No, we don't have any training or anything like that yet. We're working on formulating that content. Uh, there, there is a uh, there's a, a frequently asked questions, right. uh, a help section on the app which is very sparse right now. We're, we're brand new. We really just launched. And so we are putting together that content on how to write good questions. Yeah. How to, you know, formulate, you know, your list of answer choices, you know, because to, to my Star Trek, Star Wars question, you know, it's not just one or the other. It could be, you know, several other things too. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're pulling all that kind of stuff together. Bear with us. You know, as as we uh, grow and mature, but uh, but yeah, it's very important content. But I think you know, the more people post questions and the more they read other questions that are on there, they'll kind of start getting the hang of it. You got to conduct your market research on market research. Conduct your market research. (laughs) Exactly. Amazing. Maybe maybe I'll start a poll. What should I poll about (laughs) about podcasting? Yes, you should all about what should I call about? Exactly, exactly. Get a list of answers there and see what people have to say. All right, so the last the last problem, and this one was, I don't know why this one's surprising to me, that polling in and of itself is extremely expensive. Conducting a single poll, one poll here, can cost thousands of dollars. Now, yeah. on what? What are they spending money on, realistically? Currently, as the current system exists, what are they spending money on? How is it so expensive and how much of it's actually being wasted? Well, it depends on the, uh, the breadth and the, you know, of their, uh, of their research project. You know, you're not going to go hire a Nielsen firm to do, you know, the, uh, the, the shrimp fajitas. You can print up cards and sit them on your tables and you would only be asking your current customers what they think, not a broader audience. But, you know, that's that's a method that, that you could use to uh, to do some market research. But if you go out and you need to hire somebody to do market research, then you should plan to spend in the thousands of dollars. And it depends on the method of outreach to the respondents that you want to pay for. Call center, calling people for a 15, 16, 17 minute phone call, very expensive. But if you have a lot of questions you want to ask, you know, that may be the way to do it. Um, You can do text message again, another one of those methods. It's a lot cheaper. You know, you get um, that, that one question, that one way to respond. Um, But Basically, the way that it is, is that, you know, if you're a brand and you want to do some market research on a new product or maybe making modifications to an existing product, you would hire a market research firm and you would give them this project and they would come back and give you a quote 
on what it's going to cost to get you the information that you've requested. And, and it could be in many different forms They they could conduct focus groups, um, which are, you know, anytime you get face to face with somebody, anytime you get somebody on the phone, you're talking expense, um, you know, things, things of that nature. So, you know, it can get into the thousands and thousands and even hundred thousands of dollars. Now, if you look at like a, um, you know, like a news program, for instance, that may be, you know, asking a, uh, a political polling question, let's say, you know, at CNN or Fox News or somebody like that, you know, they probably have people on their staff that go out that are market researchers that go out and, and figure all that out for them and then bring them the results and then they publish it on their, their news program. So, you know, that is still costing you employee time, resources, uh, you know, all of the things that go into asking that question, going out and finding all the people and compiling the data and analyzing the data and then uh, finally getting it published. So it can get really, really expensive. With Hubbub, it's really, really cheap because the data is just there. Because people are coming to the mobile app, they're um, having fun, just scrolling around, yeah. answering polls, making comments on the polls, and going back and forth with people on maybe many different polls or whatever. The data is just there for a Hubbub customer to consume. So we charge seven cents per row, meaning that um, if you go to ilovehubbub.com and you find um, an interesting poll that you want to download the votes and the demographic data associated with each vote, um, it's seven cents a row. If you have a, a poll that got a thousand votes, you're talking about 70 bucks. That's it. And what's and they, what's and, like, what's what's your overhead? Because like to this to run the app, right? You gotta have the server space. You gotta actually have the maintenance of the app. But other than that, right. and you gotta pay people to, I guess, just run the app and compile the data. But even that's just an algorithm. Like, what is your overhead as the app? Well, the app doesn't really have that much overhead. It's mostly right. hosting. So I mean, with hosting, you know, the more users you get, the higher yeah. your your hosting costs. Luckily, are. AWS. I don't know if you use but, AWS, but AWS is very good at. They are stuff. very good, and I do. We do use Amazon Web Services as as the uh, as the hosting provider for the app. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it it just depends on how many users we have, and hopefully, we get you know exponential growth. I am more than happy to pay for the hosting fees because I want a lot of users um, on the the Hubbub platform answering these important questions and making commentary and wow. earning. And their uh, their money for their participation, you know. One important point is if um, if you go to the platform and you know you, you there's a lot of users on there. You might think that maybe some of them are bots. Bots and biases are my enemies. Yeah, how do you combat bots? That's a great question. Uh, I I didn't think I, I thought biases and trolling, but Bots. How, bots do you, how do you fight bots? Huge. Huge, because they will skew your voting results, right? right? I mean, you've got some smart that's, hackers. No, that's another problem with anonymity as well, because if you're anonymous, mm -hmm. how can you tell if they're a bot or not? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, one of, the, one of the very first things that we did 
was, you know, one of the, the early requirements was I can't have this platform overwhelmed with bot accounts and bot voting responses. You know, when you see what, what happened to Twitter, you know, how what percentage of, of the accounts were, were bots, you know, they said five, it actually turned out to be, you know, something 80, like 19, a lot. 20 years, something, a lot. A <laughs> Most. A bunch, a bunch. <laughs> a lot, too but many. You don't really know who you're talking to. And so, so we actually built into the technology that, and it, this is um, technology that we're patenting, is some bot protection. Now, you can buy... Um, products that wrap around your back end that's where hackers come in and they 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 hack into the back end of your of your your product not the like the front end of the mobile app or so much but or the front end of the uh, website but they're trying to get into the back end where all the data is that's what yeah, they want i, I didn't want i didn't data. i didn't think of that like how much do you have to invest time energy resources into cybersecurity protecting your data Cause like, say like, say if I'm using a VPN, right? My IP address yeah, is not. in the United Kingdom. That data is, and I do it by accident, right? That data is accidentally skewed and inaccurate. So yes. how, how, how much, how important, how much do you think about cybersecurity on a daily basis? I think about it, it keeps <laughs> me up at night. <laughs> it keeps me up at night. Uh, one of the things that, that we did, um, and this was just uh, a few months ago yeah. is I wanted to make sure that the the back end and the security of the app uh, had a, a great deal of integrity. And so partnered with a cybersecurity firm that actually went in and did a uh, what's called a penetration test. And they tried to hack into our back end. And, uh, and I mean, they have like professional certified, I mean, they're certified yeah. They're not called certified hackers. They're certified, but, for lack of a better they term. They are, they are paid. <laughs> Companies will pay them to like hack mm -hmm. my system and find the faults. And then they'll honestly pay them again the to fix it. Yeah. Yes. Find that, that, is, that is a real job. It is a real job. And it's, a, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's a very important job. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Anyway, you hear about things every day, but, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we got, we partnered with them, got their, their folks to do the hacking jobs. They uncovered, um, holes in our back end. We plugged all of those holes that they reported to us. And we also built in with the bot stuff. Um, we do have a wrapper around the back end, um, a product called Cloudflare that um, handles pretty sophisticated bots. But as far as the voting mechanism goes, that is highly protected by what I was talking about earlier, some technology that we want to patent about um, when you're on the app, if you see a little icon above the, uh, the question, that looks like a little robot, you know? Um, and if you tap on it, you'll it'll bring you a message. You know, we detected bot activity on this poll and we have filtered out what we believe are the bot responses. So what you see below you is as accurate as we can possibly, you know, determine. So we're trying to be very transparent and say, you know what, we know bots are an issue and we've put technology into place to, uh, to 
you know, not just identify them, but we say, this is a bot, this is a bot, this is a bot. We take those three out of the results and we only show you what we think are genuine people that have voted yeah. from genuine accounts from a genuine person. Is, we, can't, we can't give you 100% guarantees, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, is there a way but to like verify? Is there a way to verify the information as best as possible? Yeah, as best as possible. That's what we do. All right, Michelle, yeah. that's that's all I got for you. I think Hubbub is a okay. really, really cool app. It's a cool feature. I like using it. It's fun to use. Um, but before we go, as a mm -hmm. podcast host, like the Thor Curveball at the end, the final question <laughs> of any podcast should always go to the guest. If there's anything you want to ask me, now is the time. Absolutely. I want to ask you how long you've been doing this because I think you do a terrific job, and I've really been looking forward to it. Well, how long I do podcasting and podcasting since 2015. Um, anyone who knows my anyone knows my journey in podcasting um, knows I've been doing that for a very long time. But this right here, podcasting as a service, where you come on a podcast with me, I am a professional podcast host. Uh, under a year, probably. I gotta double check uh, that the drop date of that first one. But no, it's been actually it's been six months. I moved into this apartment in February. The first one I did it was in February. So right. as of July, I've been doing this podcast as a service thing for six months. I'm trying to break my way into uh, this world of podcasting in a different and unique way that is playing to my strength. Uh, my strength is definitely talking to people on a podcast and distributing that podcast to as many different platforms as possible. So obviously it's going to live on your website, your YouTube, yeah. or whatever you want to do with it. But it's also going to live on mine, which is the Talking with Tarashik podcast. Because um, anytime... Tara, a Tarashik talks in a podcast, goes in a talk with Tarashik podcast, just fits like a glove. So, yeah. You know, one thing that I really want to uh, want to do with the end, actually, of this is that I should have sent you the background that I had with the QR codes on it for uh, downloading the app. It's available on the App Store. It's available on Google Play. So, um, it's free to download. I would love to maybe... Uh, Get those QR codes. I can, I can, I'll, put, I'll put them in afterwards. In fact, as we're talking, they're, all, they're already going to be down there. So all right. I'll, I'll remind myself to put those in there. QR codes will be there. Michelle, anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to plug? My friend, the floor is yours. Anything else? I want to plug my name, Michelle Hermes. My, uh, my email is Michelle with one L at thinkoutloud.co. You can ask me anything. I'm a... I'm a lone wolf right now, so um, hubbub is great. We're gonna we're gonna put this uh, this industry on tilt and see how we can uh, make market research just a little bit better, a little bit easier, a little bit less expensive, a little more accurate. Your biases. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, my name is Will Tarish. It's T is and Thomas A R A S H U K. I am the founder of Realty Productions and a professional podcast host. Want me to host your podcast just like I did with Michelle right here? Not only do you get the full audio, the full video for you for your use, however you want to use it. You get a bunch of clips. I'm gonna probably cut about eight or ten of these. It's gonna it's a lot in a, a short sixty seconds or less. About eighteen. This content will last Michelle about six weeks if she uses it right. Don't doesn't stop there. She gets descriptions, titles, and download links all included for one cheap old price. Because this is the podcasting game that I do and I've been doing a long time. I'm gonna keep on doing. If you want to reach out to me, it's Willie T Productions. That's plural Productions info at gmail.com, W-I-L-L-Y-T-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S, info at gmail.com. Next time, I'm talking to, who knows, 
It's a long road, but I don't know where I'll be. But until then, I'll see you there. You all take care.